0: and that's what it's just like wow it's that simple i think but yet it's so hard to let go of these belief systems that have been handed down that are not serving us anymore and that are actually keeping us from being the being who we were meant to be so we have to uncondition ourselves with them we have to go wait a minute why am i doing this
1: This is unconditioning discovering the voice within with Whitney and Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 58th episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week, I have with me Nicole Kerr. For the past 30 years, Nicole has worked in all sectors of society, including the government, nonprofit, military, academia, healthcare institutions, and corporate settings. She's an award winning health expert. She's the co author of Eating the Rainbow Lifelong Nutritional Wellness Without Lies, Hype, or Calculus. And she's appeared on CNN, PBS, CBS, ABC, The Food Channel, and a host of other TV and radio shows to share her unique perspective on wellness lifestyle, and nutrition. When she was 19 years old, she was a cadet at the United States Air Force Academy, and Nicole would be forced to learn how to live and love differently following a terrifying and transformative near-death experience. Her memory of the crash came back 20 years later, and it has taken Nicole almost another two decades to align her soul, spirit, mind, and body, proving that healing is certainly a non-linear process. A disabled veteran, Nicole now maintains a private practice primarily using neuro-emotional technique, targeting the often overlooked domains of emotional energy and spiritual well-being. I had a really amazing time getting to know Nicole and hearing her story. It's Really incredible, and she has so much energy and exuberance for wanting to share this information and her story with the world. So, here is my conversation with Nicole Kerr. I'm studying humanistic psychology, so it's looking at a holistic view of people, which it seems like you do as well. With yes, and in the wellness field, uh, I've kind of
0: it's been my entire career, uh, so that's been. Ever since my accident, uh, so 30, almost 40 years. And if you take the original wellness wheel that's divided mm-hmm. into quarters, you know, the first quarter is physical, then you have mental, then you have emotional, and then you have spiritual. Well, I started out in the physical, becoming a registered dietitian, nutritionist. So I was like, here's what you need to eat, here's what you don't need to eat. And what I found is when people got stressed, they went back to their comfort foods and it didn't matter their knowledge. And then I was like, this isn't working to tell people <laughs> with diabetes, especially diabetes and renal, which your, your food decisions really are going to affect your body and the outcomes. Um, they just were like, well, I'll just put more insulin in me. And I'm just like, that's not the answer you know, so you can eat yeah. your piece of cake. Um, So I went into um, neuro-emotional techniques. So studying the unconscious and why you revert back to that when you get triggered present day. And that was a game changer in my own life and for people that I worked with. So I don't address people with nutrition now. I go for, okay, what is it that you want to be okay with that you're not okay with in your life? Because it's usually... Um, a blocked emotion that's stuck in your body, and if, if you don't release it, it will manifest in some physical situation.
1: Yeah, that's such an important connection. So, before we get into all of that and your ways that you are helping people now, I kind of want to get back to you and your story. Okay. Yeah. So, one of the first things that I like to ask is, when is the first time? That you realized that you had this spirituality or this like inner voice of your own in your life. Um, I would say that would be
0: right uh, after my car crash where I was pronounced dead and I came back. Uh, because before then, Whitney, I was a people pleaser. I was such a people pleaser. I became who my parents wanted me to become. I never individuated at age six and became my own person. Mm -hmm. It was always my dad, who was a Marine. This is what you're going to do. I know what is best for you. And Mm -hmm. I am always right. Those kinds of messages. So when I made the decision to go to the United States Air Force Academy as one of the first female cadets, it wasn't me. It was to please my father. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you. That cost me my life by my second year, which was the car wreck. My soul was in the wrong place, and I didn't know how to get out of there without feeling like a failure and disappointing him and my congressman that nominated me and everybody else. And so that fear of failure kept pushing me to keep going and keep going. And it just ratcheted up, you know, day after day. And then going into my sophomore year, I was like, I I don't, I can't do this, but I don't know how to quit,
1: you Mm -hmm. know?
0: And so boom, the car crash happened. And my soul was like, you know, you're on the wrong wrong track. You are not to be killing people. You're supposed to be helping them. And so, and I honor what the people in the military sign up to do, um, which is to protect and defend the country, you know, but you are ultimately taught to kill people, you know, to defend against the enemy, Mm -hmm. and let me tell you, all these exercises we were doing with weapons and, you know, uh, uh, bayonets and competence courses and all that, I was a model, okay, before I did this, (laughs) I was on a team board, I did nothing remotely connected to the military, so I was in the wrong place, and my soul knew it, and I knew it, I just couldn't get my voice, and and say, this is it for me, and I quit. I just couldn't do it. And um, I would rather have died than do that. That's how profound and embedded that belief system was that I had to please my father.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's uh, a way that you got yourself out of it I suppose
0: yeah yeah but boy did I pay a heavy price and (laughs) and still do you know some of the pain and suffering and it's taken me now it's almost been 40 years and you have to remember for the first 19 my memory of the crash I didn't have it all I had was bright white lights Mm -hmm. that's the only thing I could remember and I was like okay I told my surgeon, could that be the operating room lights? Did I wake up, you know, and see them? She said, no, Nicole, you were unconscious, uh, you know, for at least 12 hours. And she said, it's not that at all. It's something beyond that. And so when my memory came back, when I was working in Atlanta at the centers for disease control, I'm just going about my normal day here and get my Starbucks, you know, cafe latte with soy milk. And, uh, all of a sudden, I got back in my car to drive to work, and we. I remembered exactly how I was sitting in the car. It was a Corvette convertible, 1965. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I saw myself in the car with my leg up on the dashboard. The other one crossed over because I couldn't figure out how in the world did I amputate my ankle, cut up all in the vagina area. I don't mean to be gross, but I did. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and then uh, my, ankle, uh, my wrist, I broke that and I broke my pelvis on both sides and I had a bad road burn on my face. And I was just in the ER the the other couple of weeks ago, not like it's a regular thing, but occasionally <laughs> I had to go to the ER for <laughs> migraines. And the, And the nurse said, you know, I have to tell people that is the worst way to sit in a car. Never sit in a car with both your legs up on the dashboard, one foot hanging out the window or one foot up and one foot crossed. She goes, you will invariably have more injuries if you sit that way. Put both feet on the floor and put your seatbelt on. And I was just like, you know, I have never had anybody tell me that in all these years how dangerous sitting in that position is. Yeah, that's, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay, well, I will tell other people, don't sit that way. Something happens, you'll get injured worse. this
1: um, This is the announcement to not sit that way. Yes. So
0: anyway, when my memory came back, I didn't go to work. I went to my chiropractor and he was booked that day. And I sat in his office until he could fit me in. And he said, Nicole, what's happening? It's repressed memories. And he said, they're coming up you Know nine, I said 19 years later. And he goes, Well, that's how long it's taken your body to feel safe enough for them to come up and you can deal with them because this is trauma. This is major mm-hmm. trauma. And you know, so the next 20 years I've spent trying to align myself with my head, my body, my soul, and my spirit. And being someone who is like disconnected from their body, I I I would intellectualized a lot and you know, I, my mind was my, like, cause I went into science, you know, it was like, I depend on my mind right. a lot. And so what I realized is I was really disconnected from my body. And I had a, a, like a haunted mansion of emotions filling mm. up my body. And I needed to go through with a broom and clean them all out because I didn't feel any of them. So that's what took me into the whole emotional realm. And if you're stressed and you are using, food or alcohol or whatever the coping mechanism is, you are not addressing the fundamental issue from where it originated. And that's because it's unconscious. We're only operating with about anywhere from one to 5% consciousness. So you have to go back and you have to figure out where that original event happened. And you have to feel those feelings then. Otherwise, your your present day situation the amygdala your fight flight fear response is gonna hijack that prefrontal cortex which is your executive thinking and right. reasoning and making decisions and it hijacks it every time you will not be able to think your way out of that situation and figuring out why you're eating that whole pint of ben and jerry's when you know you should only have like maybe a quarter of a cup or you're full at a quarter of a cup but you still eat it
1: yeah because you're avoiding thinking about your trauma right yeah or what just triggered it you know yeah yeah Yeah. so that moment at the chiropractor um did he guide you to a way to yeah he did
0: using acupressure points and he got me halfway there which is got me from the car up into the air and that's when i froze And in terms of the memory, because when I looked down, I could see that I was dead. And I knew I was going to die when I hit the ground. So what happened was he told me to go home and rest and that the rest of the memory would come. And I did. And the memory came the next day. And I talk about it in my book um, in pretty um, detail. So this new book that I have is You Are Deathless. My near-death experience taught me how to fully live and not fear death. And I wrote it. It took me 13 years to write it. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. So, and you have to also understand when I worked at CDC, I wrote research articles. So everything was, that's a whole different way of writing. Right. Yeah. It's scientific, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so to write something where I was sharing my heart and being vulnerable and exposing myself. I'm telling you, i about had a panic attack when they actually published the book and sent it to me (laughs) because I'm like, I can't pull it back now. You know, it's out there for my family to read and everybody else. And but I knew I had to do it. You know, it's like there are people that need to hear this message. And now is the right time because it's been now 40 years. Okay, and I know on the other side, time is not linear, but it is here. And I'm going, this has been my entire life. But I really I talk about what it what it felt like when I was going through the windshield and um, up landing up there and then this being came and picked me up uh, or or caught me like and took me up to a different level and um, I was told that. You know, I could hear other conversations going on. I was not in my body. I was, I know, in terms of a human form, but I could hear other conversations going on with spirits, angels. And they were, one group was saying, Hey, they need, meaning us earthlings, we need to ask for help. That was the first message I heard. When we need something we need to ask our angels for help they're not going to step in and do it unless we ask for help and the reason for that is because we have something called free will okay we can choose to do something or not to do something and that has consequences both ways okay so if we ask for help they will intervene Okay, no doubt about it, even for a parking space. I know people freak out about that, but it's like, no, they do. They show up even for a parking space. So, and then that being told me that I was going to go back. And I was like, no, I don't want to go back because I could see me. I could see what I was wearing, my eyes, i teal shirt, my khaki shorts, and just this mangled body in a ditch. And I'm like, I don't want to go in that body because it's going to be a lot of pain and suffering because I'm going to go back to being an infant, and my mother's going to have to take care of me, and that mm. means I got to live their life, which is uh, right. strict religion, strict rules, all this kind of stuff, and I was like, I'm only away from them, even right. if it is the Air Force Academy, you know, so anyway, uh, they told me I was going back, he told me I was, I say a he, because it resembled Uh, a man who I later now know is my grandfather Mm -hmm. uh, that had come in an angel form because he knew that I knew angels at 19. And my fear of death at 19 was what I was raised believing as Southern Baptist and Lutheran, that if I was bad, I was going to hell. And hell meant that I would be separated from my family and God because we were taught God was external.
1: yeah,
0: And that is completely wrong okay that is a complete false statement uh god is internal within you don't have to go through anybody or anything to get to god god is there's nowhere god is not i want to tell people that there isn't there's no beginning there's no end with god and god is not this dual person we have church, religion, theology has created, God is love, period, and God is energy. And he's not judging anybody. In fact, um, you know, that's the thing about death is death brings the joy of being free of these mistaken identities that we carried around all our lives, like being a people pleaser. Um, But we can have that freedom now. And I truly believe that we come here as a journey to learn love. And what happens to our soul, what happens to us happens as our soul's way of stretching us to expand our ability to love. So that's the most important reason why we're here, why our our soul is here to evolve. And I think it's really important that people understand that, they are supposed to evolve. They are supposed to grow and change, and not just take the generational imprint and just pass it on and keep passing it on and keep passing it on. So, um, I talk about in my book the ten common lessons from near-death experiences. And Whitney, they're all positive, every single one of them. You're never alone. You're not judged. Isn't that terrific to not be judged? You did never make a mistake. You know, it's like whoa, Um, everyone and everything is connected. We have yet to learn that as a culture, you know, that you and I are connected energetically. Others are, we're all connected. We're still very divided right now as a country instead of connected and realize that we need to be respectful of all sentient beings, all humanity and of course mother earth. And um, we're not doing a very good job of that right now. We really got to get that in gear or uh,
1: it's not looking too good. (laughs) Yeah. So, so this awakening that you're describing after this experience, did you come to this realization after that event with the chiropractor? When the memory
0: came back, yes, in the entirety, the reason uh, that he the wreck even happened I was a passenger and I was getting a ride back with another cadet and he was drunk and I didn't know it Mm -hmm. and he made a sexual pass at me Uh and I said no and he took the steering wheel and he was angry Mm -hmm. and going 72 miles an hour and the back end of the car fishtailed so my mind I did not get married till I was 40. I could not Mm -hmm. sustain a relationship because I was always scared of a man's anger at me. Mm
1: -hmm. And not only
0: my father, but this guy as well. And unconsciously, I was thinking if I displease them and they get angry, then I could get harmed or potentially killed. And as soon as that all resolved, It only took me one other guy. And then I met the man that I'm now married to. So, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming aware of this instead of unconsciously. I I didn't, I don't know why I just can't maintain a relationship. I mean, I'm educated, I'm Mm -hmm. attractive, all these qualities, but I just was like, nope.
1: Yeah. So you said that you were raised in like a very strict religious home as well. And you also went into science and it took 19 years for you to have all of these things integrated where you were aware of what happened to you yeah so what was your relationship with religion in between the time where you were into the science stuff and when you went to the chiropractor and had that experience of understanding what happened to you I would say it was Since
0: I couldn't remember anything from the wreck when I woke up in ICU, all I remembered were the bright white lights, I had to tuck that part away because my parents would never believe that. Uh, So I had to default back to uh, the religions that we grew up in. And uh, I could already tell at that time, I didn't believe in God because I would pray like before an operation that something would happen and I wouldn't have to be operated on. Cause I had six major operations. I mean, I was, Ooh, I was a sick, sick girl. I had 64 pints of blood transfused. Mm -hmm. I had to have a colostomy to divert. I mean, it was one thing after another, and I would pray so hard for one thing and then it wouldn't happen. Something else would. And, and I'm just like, you know it took me years to understand that i've i've got this concept of god as a vending machine if i put in the right behaviors if i pray the right way you know if i get out of my hospital bed and get on my hands and knees you know maybe the prayer will be more effective all of these conditions rules around uh it's got to be my fault that things aren't working out and then my parents blamed me for the wreck because i broke my father's rules i was i had alcohol that day i had a cigarette and I was writing with an upperclassman. So he thought I was stating them. So in their world, I deserved it. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, breaking dad's rules. And he told my other three siblings, this is what happens when you don't listen to me. So that's the kind of guilt and shame. And then right before I was about to publish the book, Whitney, I got together with um, my three roommates from the Air Force Academy two of us had been in touch, but not the third. In 38 years, she was my roommate. I never talked to her after I left the academy and she quit in December of that year. And she told the minute we all got on Zoom, she said, Nicole, I'm so sorry. I caused the crash. And I was like, what? No, you didn't. You weren't even in the car. And she said, yes, I did. And she said, that's why I quit the academy was because I felt so guilty and it's haunted me ever since. And I will tell you, you're going to have to buy the book in order to find out <laughs> why she believed that. So it altered her life dramatically. It altered my life dramatically. And the guy that was uh, driving, he turns out he was an alcoholic. And mm. um, you know, then the whole thing about his dad was a three-star general. So rank has its privileges. And they were able to find a way to keep him at the academy. Any other cadet would have been kicked out on mm. an honor, but yeah, just you know, I was, it was just really hard to see. So I think that's why law and order is my favorite series, you know, (laughs) it's because I'm looking for justice all the time. So anyway, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long journey and I went through so many different churches trying to find one that I could relate to God and it all came back to rules and conditions and their way was the right way, you know, and, um, And then I finally just stopped going to church, you know, because I was like, I wasn't getting answers. And so I started walking the beach in Hawaii, which is where I was living. And that's where I got more answers in the beauty of nature. And um, in the sense of figuring out for me what works in terms of a relationship with God, because that white light, when you think about, white the color what do other colors what does white do with other colors it
1: makes them go away it
0: absorbs them actually yeah Yeah. so (laughs) when I was on the other side I saw colors that are not in the Crayola 64 box okay they are other colors and they're all fused into that bright white light and I felt like I was in a cocoon you know I was safe I was held I was in bliss that is God
1: Yeah.
0: And and that's what it's just like, wow, it's that simple, I think, but yet it's so hard to let go of these belief systems that have been handed down that are not serving us anymore and that are actually keeping us from being the being who we were meant to be. So we have to uncondition ourselves with them. (laughs) We have to go, wait a minute, why am I doing this?
1: Yep, exactly. I grew up in a very strict religious family also, so I can relate very much. And I was also in a car crash, not, not to the extent of yours, but in a a way where there was a being that came and woke me up and said, you're not done yet. So I can, I can relate to that part of it.
0: Yeah. And you're a light worker. And what I, what I now know is this is my vocation. It's not an occupation. And the message was to tell people not to be afraid of death. And unconsciously, we all are afraid of it because we haven't been there. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But these lessons that are from a scientific annual report, they're all positive. And I want people to start, I want the culture to start changing from one of death being like doom and gloom and negative and scary um to my own experience and like hundreds of thousands of other people's it's 100% different De- death is absolute beauty light and loving kindness on the other side and i'm not negating the human part of us that still when someone passes there's still suffering there's still grief and pain and loss And we have to carefully and compassionately hold and heal that. But at the same time, knowing the true context of our our life to be happier, we have to prepare for our own graceful passing and to support others as they approach their own transition. And it is with these words in mind that I am here to help change The worldview and vibration and cultural misunderstandings surrounding death and to do this we have to start addressing the difficulties getting there which are our fears about it, so I have a whole checklist at the back of the book about fears and you know. um, that you can experience about your own death. And there's also a book club discussion okay. questions. Think about this as a book club. I mean, you're gonna learn about your book club members really <laughs> quick if you haven't already, but I will zoom in on your book club meeting if I can work with the, the time zone. But I really want people to understand that it's positive. Death is positive. There's no pain. They're they're not alone. People are not alone when they die. I know with the COVID and the pandemic, a lot of people did die quote alone, meaning another human wasn't there, but this whole spiritual realm of angels and guides and deceased loved ones, they come in and help guide the person over.
1: It's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I will make sure to add um, your book links into the show notes so people can find that very easily. Thank you. So I want to talk a little bit more about this emotional technique of freeing trauma from your body, because I think Mm -hmm. that's really important to talk about as well.
0: Yeah. Neuroemotional technique. And there's lots of them. There's EMDR, there's tapping, there's, um, you know... Biofeedback. Yeah. You know, there, there's just a lot of different ways to go about this. Um, I found the one that worked for me was NET, neuroemotional technique. It's non invasive and it really is uh, a technique used um, when you encounter stress and you're not understanding why. It combines a kinesiology, which is muscle testing, with uh, acupuncture using acupressure points on your mm-hmm. hands. Okay. And the Chinese figured this out years ago that every emotion has an organ related to it. So like the liver is anger. Okay. Mm -hmm. And as a dietitian, I used to work with people that were um, compulsive eaters because that, because I didn't get any mental help at the beginning of my journey, I became a compulsive eater to push the pain down. And it it was horrible because I hated myself. And I told myself I would never do it again. And then I'd get up and do it again. And it's just this vicious cycle. So I have such, you know, my most important credential is BTDT, been there, done that. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've had an eating disorder. I I mean, all these things that I can relate to with people which help me have more empathy, more compassion, more sympathy. to understanding what you're going through and how hard it is to transform yourself. It is not an easy journey because you may have to let go of some family members that are toxic and you're scared to do that. And you were always told that family comes first and family would always be there, but they're not, you know, they're not meeting your needs. They don't see you for who you are and they don't really care to know you they just want you to do XYZ for them all the time you know um and so I think it's really really important um as you start this transformation process that you find a healer or someone that you can work with that understands this unconscious realm and that that's what you're having to tap into in order to clear so you can be present and go oh, okay, now I understand why I reacted that way. You know, there was a reason why you just aren't doing it because you have nothing better to do, you know, but it is uh, a great, it was developed by a chiropractor more than 30 years ago, and it's becoming more and more accepted. And I think where we're going in wellness is more into energy medicine as Mm -hmm. well, because you know, I can even do N.E.T. over the internet, because mm-hmm. if you give me permission to read your muscles, you know, there's, I, there's that contract between us. And I'll use my muscles and test my muscles on the areas that you are um, having difficulty with. So it's really cool how and it's and it works, you know, Um, And people have, some people, certain groups of people have been doing this for years, but I think it's getting more accepted. And I think people are looking for alternatives other than medications to things like PTSD, anxiety, depression. And, you know, if you haven't, we are a very emotionally illiterate nation. We basically know four emotions, bad, sad, mad, and glad. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, it's like feeling hopelessness and despair or overconcerned for others or betrayal or gall that you could treat me like this or you know, resentment. No, it's just I'm mad at you, you know. Um, so it's really uh taking uh the emotional part and really giving it its due and I'm now giving the spirit, I'm putting that spirituality piece of wellness up there as you've got to deal with this in order to really become aligned Mm -hmm. with your soul and your truth um, and and be in that alignment. You have to figure out your spirituality in terms of what is God to you, the concept of God, or do you even have a concept, you know? Um, And do you believe in angels? Do you believe in others? Do you believe in other, you know, planets and beings? I mean, it's a big question and it sometimes right. hurts, hurts your head to think about it, but, <laughs> but we need to start thinking about these kind of things, you know, to awaken to the greater good of all mankind, instead of being a self-centered me, 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 I want this. When the electricity goes out, complain, complain, because I don't have any internet, you know, right
1: yeah that's very true. What would you say to someone who is very resistant about the idea of God?
0: Uh, I would say to that person to try to let go first of all, if I would find out if they were raised in a religion that was really um strict with it, Catholic Church, you know, the rules, the rituals with it. um. And then you're going to have to do some work on letting go of that, because that gets pretty much cemented in around age six. And so you will go your rest of your life, even though you get out of it and say, I don't want anything else to do with it, maybe you're still unconsciously thinking, well, maybe I'm bad or maybe I'm wrong or what." maybe I, maybe when I die, I really, you know, I will go to this place called hell, you know? And so you got to update yourself.
1: And so, yeah. So I imagine if, if someone had a trauma as a child around age six or seven, and they, they made that correlation, then that might also be something to look at too.
0: Yes. And I will tell you this, if your parents uh, or whoever your caregivers are, do not, they have their own trauma wounds okay, if they don't heal those trauma wounds, they pass them right on to you, yeah. and you have to really, that took me a long time to understand, because my both my parents were traumatized, my mother was in with Kiev, you know, um, and now they're getting bombed again over there, so she's mm-hmm. Ukrainian, so she Her dad was taken by the Russians and executed. I mean, she never had any therapy, you know, she just got, you you just get through it that generation, you Mm -hmm. know, but she didn't get through it, you know, and then she had my accident and then my brother had an accident. So it was, you know, she just didn't, she relied on the Lord and the, the Bible. And so it became very narrow for her and she didn't seek mental health. She didn't believe in it. It was Jesus and God were, were doing everything. And so um, that's where I disagree with her. I needed mean, mental health. I wish I had gotten it sooner. Um, that was a mistake to tell the doctors that God and Jesus were my psychiatrist because uh, that's when I developed an eating disorder. You know, it's it's just, you can't, your body has to figure out a, a way to continue to live. Um, so you create these paths that are unhealthy to cope with the trauma, you yeah. know, or push it down, and so they need to do their work, that's why I'm encouraging parents right now, you've got to do your own work, and not pass it down to your kids, because you're just going to say to them, well, you should just get over it, that's what I had to do, you know, don't yeah. worry about it, or there's no sympathy in it, There, there's no caring or empathy to try to understand it and help.
1: Right, right, once we know about our traumas, it's our responsibility to heal them. That's exactly um, right. However, a lot of traumas seem to be unconscious in people. Yes. Unless yeah. they have something profoundly significant happen in their lives like you did.
0: Well, and then I worked with a lot of women that have sexual abuse yeah. and that stays hidden. Uh, usually until, you know, maybe their 30s or 40s, it'll start coming out. And what the first thing that comes up is uh i can't believe that happened or mm-hmm. nobody's going to believe me and you know the whole judgment on memory and and remembering something that happened so long ago how can you remember that at six years old or whatever but your body remembers and there's a book written by um vessel van it's his last name, The Body Remembers, and it is an, it's, it's an excellent book. Um, you can Google it and you'll see it, but it's, it's really hard to learn to trust ourselves with just memories, you know, and, yeah. but you wouldn't be acting the way you're acting if something hadn't happened
1: yeah. to alter it, you know? Yes. And that's where these techniques, like the neuro-emotional technique, Mm -hmm. come in. And so you do the muscle testing and then the acupressure points. And then that's, how does that get released? They, you have two emotional points right here on the top of your
0: head. So you hold the point, you know, whether it's uh, it's, it's, it's in the, either the fire element, the earth element, you know, and then you get the emotion because most people can't even identify their own emotion what they're feeling. Um, so you get the emotion and then you hold that and you put your hand over your forehead and you go back in time to when that first event was, and you breathe in and out your feeling, or if you're sensitive to the other person's, because a lot of times you'll pick up someone else's feeling and it's not your own. And then you carry that around and you're like, this just doesn't feel like me, but yet you're feeling it. So you, you know, there's a lot of codependency that'll get into play there as well. And you have to just realize that, okay, I have to clear myself of everybody else's energy and emotions and figure out what mine are and not take theirs on. Because then that keeps you from really doing your work, as long as you're taking on everybody else's and you're going to wear your butt out. Right. Right. (laughs) You're going to burn out really, really quick.
1: So, um, yeah. Protect your energy. Yes. Yeah. What would you like people to know most about your experience and what you've written in your book?
0: I want you to know that you do not need to fear death. Okay. Death is absolute beauty, light, loving kindness on the other side you will see loved ones others when you return quote home your soul goes home that vapor that's your breath that is your energy that's what moves on this vehicle that we have here in the human form that decays that's going to go poof you know and so Know that your soul lives on, that your soul has a long trajectory. This isn't your first rodeo with your soul, okay? And that in order to truly live life fully, which is what we we come here to do, that you've got to start addressing these fears. Fear is a low vibration. Fear, you lose clarity when you're in fear, And when you need to make decisions, and when you need to do things, you need to have clarity and discernment. And if you're fearing it, you're clouding it. Mm -hmm. You need to make it from a clear aligned place,
1: grounded place. That's what I want people to know. Yeah, Mm because we are living in this reality, which requires us to be on the ground.
0: <laughs> yes, you have to balance the human and the spiritual. you you know, but I think we go overboard in the physical and it's like this instead of a uh, higher, lower instead of equal, or a little bit higher on the spiritual, you yeah. know and and people usually don't think about it until something tragic happens.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because right before i I hopped on here with you, I got a T and on the T. It said, the soul's voice is breath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, and I
0: mean, you you think about it, that's, you know, when someone's dying, that's the breath leaves Mm -hmm. them, you know? And so that's your soul returning to where it came from. And uh, it's just, it's fascinating to think of it, but it scares people to think that they're not going to have their body you know, and, uh, but all these identities slip away, Mm -hmm. you know, even on the other side, my name is not Nicole, you know, it's not, I'm not attached to that and any of that, you know, and it's just uh, beautiful. And I think, um, you know, I'm really clear about my mission now and what I came back to do. And we are in a lot of fear in this country right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, with a lot of things, because there's just a lot of uncertainty, and I think if um, people could just start, and bringing children into the discussion with fear, with death, I think that's the other thing that I would say I would like to, for people to start thinking about, is children need a greater understanding of what death is about, instead of being scared of it, you know, Um, and Halloween does not help in terms of coffins and all of that, but, um, letting other cultures let, uh, are much better than we are about yeah. incorporating death into the whole life cycle and respecting it and seeing your soul go off in a positive way.
1: Right. More of like a transformation rebirth. Um, yes. Yeah. Recycling. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for choosing to come back. And
0: oh, <laughs> sharing with us. I don't know that I had much choice there, <laughs> but I am glad that I stayed. My angel will say, Oh, she put up a tough fight because <laughs> I had two more code blues. I was I was trying to trying to get out of this, but um I now am so grateful that I'm here. I'm so grateful that I understand it, uh, you know, and that I can appreciate the last 40 years because when you're in the dark night of the soul or in a trench, you know, it's so hard to believe that what you're doing is really healing because healing is not linear. And if anybody thinks it is, let me just go ahead and cut that false belief out. It's not, it's not if I do A, B will happen. If I eat all my fruits and vegetables and exercise, you can still get cancer. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not any absolutes in that sense. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> it cannot be pretty, but it can be rewarding. Oh, absolute free. It is free. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So I have one last question that I ask to wrap up the conversation, and that is: if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Truly live. You
0: know, you never know when you're going to die. I mean, it, it, I didn't think I was going to die at 19. Who does? Yeah. You know, but it happens to children. It happens to infants. You know, there's no guarantee you're going to live to be 80, you know, or old and then die, you know, so you have to be prepared and start having these conversations so that when the time happens that you're okay with it, you're not resisting it and you're ready for it.
1: Yeah. Be present. Yeah.
0: Live forever right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. You gave us permission. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's been a delight. I've so enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it, but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much, and until next time, stay tuned in to you.